Christ's command to his followers before his ascension to heaven was for them to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Our Lord did not intend for the good news of his death and resurrection to stay local, but instead it was to be taken globally. In this third section of Acts, the adventure continues as the gospel is taken to the ends of the earth. Let's join Scott Pauley now for today's study. Welcome to Athens. Do you understand that the world we're living in today is more like Athens than it is Jerusalem? What do I mean by that? Well, when Paul and the early Christian witnesses began their ministry, they started, of course, right where they were in places like Jerusalem, uh, places that had religious context, places that had at least some understanding about who God was. Uh, But as the gospel advanced and as the adventure continued, uh, they showed up in places like Athens in Acts chapter number 17. Remember, the heart of Jesus was to the uttermost part of the earth. So Athens is a part of the uttermost. But my friend, Athens was much different than Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, there was a group of believers. In Athens, there were no believers. In Jerusalem, the the unbelievers even had some frame of reference, some cultural understanding of religion, some context. But in Athens, absolutely no understanding of the one true and living God. And I'm convinced that our world today is more like Athens than it is Jerusalem. Many of us remember when people in our culture had at least some reverence for the Bible, at least knew who Jesus was, had some some context. But now, we're not living there. We're living in a world that has changed so culturally, morally, philosophically, and spiritually that people have no idea who their God is. It's like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz saying, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Well, I want you to know we're not in Jerusalem anymore. Welcome to Athens. Let me show you what I mean. Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 16, says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Other some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. I don't know about you, but as I read the description of Athens, this sounds like the world we're living in right now and laboring in right now. So perhaps God put this in the Bible for us. Perhaps this particular example would be extremely instructive to us in the world we're living in right now. What is Athens? Well, first of all, 
Athens was marked by idolatry. That's the first thing you see. When Paul stands in Athens and looks around, he sees the city wholly given. I mean, it's just, there's idols everywhere. Well, friend, I want you to know that's the world we're living in now. Do you remember God's first command, thou should have no other gods before me? Well, our world is full of people who have found many gods before the true and living God. Let me tell you what we must do. We must begin by forsaking our own idols. You know, you can't preach on their idols when you're harboring your own. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is just identify our idols. An idol sounds like something so foreign to us because we don't bow down to little statues, but an idol is anything that I give power and value to that only Jesus is worthy of, anything that takes the place of Christ. Idol sounds like idol. In other words, I-D-O-L sounds like I-D-L-E. It sounds like nothing, doesn't it? And yet, my friend, anything that I put before Jesus is something very big, very bad, very cursed, because it keeps me from the true and living God. Remember, idol starts with I. So identify your own idols, and by the grace of God, forsake them. And then, then you can help others to realize that there is one true and living God, and he deserves his rightful place in their life. Then, not only was Athens marked by idolatry, it was also marked by inquisitiveness. It was a place where they just asked lots of questions. They didn't necessarily want the answers, but they just had lots of questions. Do you remember the first question in the Bible? The first question mark in the Bible, Satan introduced, Yea, hath God said? You see, there is something in sin itself uh, that brings question marks instead of certainty. And so, it's not that inquisitiveness is bad or asking questions is inherently bad, but if you're not careful, you can spend all of your time learning new things, getting educated, getting a mind full of data, but still having a heart totally empty of God. I I mark two things here. One is their philosophies. In verse 18, he identifies the Epicureans and the Stoics. Those are exact opposites. The Epicureans, they were the materialist of the day, and their goal was one thing, pleasure. Let's have fun. Let's just enjoy life. The Stoics, exactly like they sound, they were the humanists of the day, and their goal was purity. So uh, on one hand, you had people living for as much pleasure as they could get out of life, and on the other hand, people trying to keep all the rules and do all the right things because they were just trying to be right. The problem with both philosophies is both of them were empty of God. There's no true lasting pleasure without God, and there is no purity without God. On both ends of the spectrum, these people who were searching needed Jesus. The other thing I notice in this is not only their philosophy, it's their novelty. They were interested in new things, a new doctrine. The Bible says uh, they spent all their time to tell her here's some new thing. Oh, dear ones, we don't need a new thing. We need the eternal truth of the Word of God. Uh, our, Our world is out of control because... We have become so tolerant and intolerant at the same time. And now there's so much debate and so little declaration. Everybody's talking. Nobody has the answers. I'm going to tell you what we need, a return to the truth of the gospel. So Athens was marked by idolatry. It was marked by inquisitiveness. And then, thirdly, it was marked by ignorance. By the way, that's where idolatry and inquisitiveness always leads to. When you reject God, you plunge into ignorance. Someone has said we're living in a post-truth world because people have so rejected truth. 
But I want you to know truth works even in a post-truth world. Uh, This word strange has captured my attention. They talk about strange gods and strange things. Uh, Why was it strange? Because they didn't know it. They were foreigners to the truth. Our job is simply to introduce them to the one who is wisdom. In a world of lies, people need the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. Uh, They don't need debate. Uh, They need someone to explain the truth to them. The Bible says in verse 17 that he disputed with them. And some people think that means that he he belittled them. No, no, no. The word here is a word for conversation. We must go back to having conversations about Christ, reasoning with sinners as God reasons with sinners, lovingly, patiently, meeting them where they are and bringing them to where they need to be. Know the reason that you believe and then prepare to reason with others. By the grace of God, let's identify our Athens, marked by idolatry and inquisitiveness and ignorance, and say we're going to do what we can right where we are to introduce them to the truth, and his name is Jesus Christ. Though no more scripture is being written, the story of the furtherance of the gospel is being written at this very moment, and we get to be part of that story. The heart of our Savior is as passionate for the lost today as it was just before he ascended in Acts 1. Will you get in on what God is doing in the world today to reach the lost with the gospel? This is why Enjoying the Journey exists, to encourage and to equip you in the work of the gospel. Whether it is through the daily broadcast or the many resources on our website, Scott and all of us on the Enjoying the Journey team are passionate about people coming to know Christ as Savior. We pray that you truly will enjoy the journey, but we also pray that you will bring others with you on your journey of following Christ.